0: Welcome to the Where to Hunt Podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is August 15th, 2017. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Where to Hunt Podcast. Uh this week we bring on guest Wes Hansen. He's with the Release Bow Hunting Podcast. Um he is also from Wisconsin, based out of the Green Bay area. So him and I talk about uh podcasting in general. Uh, what it's like to start one up in the hunting industry and all that good stuff and then we kind of transition and get into some early season bow tips uh, tricks probably not any tricks and tactics Um, so real real fun episode with Wes Uh, I want to thank him for taking time out of the woods and in his case the studio to join us today and without uh, further ado I'm gonna go ahead and bring Wes on all right we're gonna welcome our guest to the show Uh, today we have with us Wes Hansen and Wes is with the release hunting podcast Wes how you doing man
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good.
0: Welcome to uh, the other side of the equation. So, Wes, you have your own podcast. Thanks for uh, taking time out of the woods and out of the studio to to hang out with me on the Where to Hunt podcast.
1: Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I listened to uh, Kurt Geyer uh, today on your podcast that you had on the other week, and right. Uh, he's right. It, it is a little weird. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, man, now now the tables have turned
0: it's kind of awkward i had the same feeling when i was on their podcast i'm like man this is weird right like they're asking all the questions now? okay so well that's cool so you get to experience how your guests feel right it's awesome so all right i want to start off by just having you kind of give us some background on yourself um i ask everybody that's on my show uh do you hunt public land or private land or both
1: i do a little both uh i'm in brown county uh home of Green Bay, literally five minutes from Lambeau Field, but you get 20 minutes north of Green Bay, it opens up into the farmland and a lot of public land around here. Um, I do have the opportunity, like I said, I do hunt both. So I do have a property that is private that I get to hunt on, um, yet we are surrounded by public land. So definitely take advantage of both.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And you said you, I mean, we were talking a little bit before I hit the record button here, but it sounds like you like public land because it's a challenge.
1: It is. It's uh, The public land we have up here is actually the DNR did a really good job with the public land that we have up here. Um, we are able to leave stands. Um, you just have to name them, tag them with your ID number or driver's license number. Um, so there's a lot of ladder stands you walk by. A lot of people are respectful. You get the little bit of the bunch that, if you're daring enough to put a trail camera out there, I'd recommend putting a cheaper version of a trail camera, nothing expensive, because uh, those probably will get ganked. Um, but stands and stuff, people do respect them. Um, it's just It's a lot of work going to stand in.
0: down. It's not as much to just pull a trail cam off a tree, I suspect. that's probably has something to do with it.
1: Right. And we're right up next to the Bay of Green Bay, so it's a lot of marshland, a lot of swampy land. Um and the good thing about that is you can go in with a boat on the backside if oh, yeah, you really wanted
0: awesome. to. Have you done that before?
1: And no, we were uh, we're planning on that this year. We want to get into some areas, especially uh, talking with uh, Sam Eubel and some of the guys at Whitetail Adrenaline, uh, kind of boosting our confidence to go in and do some crazy stuff this year. But um, yeah, those there's guys will get some weird ideas of...
0: in your head for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you watch those guys and what they do and what they pull out of public land it's like we know there's big deer back there it's just getting back there and so we have the capability of doing it it's just going out and doing it
0: sure yep my dad and i tried canoeing into a spot thinking we were being all clever uh we were scouting not this season but for a previous season and we realized once we got in there there's another spot to access that that doesn't require nearly as much work and that's clearly whatever else was doing so we thought we were like all uh you know <laughs> incognito and like getting hardcore and we just did all this extra work for no reason <laughs> yeah so i don't know it was kind of one of those moments we found someone else's trail cam we're like oh, great so clearly we didn't come up with some sort of new plan here
1: it's tough because i mean the public lands up here it's not like they're big chunks uh i'm talking like 40 60 there's a couple that are 80 acre parcels but they're not big chunks of land but it's getting in a lot of it is lined up against the water. So you can go in from the back side, which is where we're guessing all the deer are kind of hanging out back there. Um they do have easy access from the front side, but once you start getting in, it starts getting thick, it starts getting rough. So it's up to you to put it in the work. I sounds mean if like you want a... to put in the work and you want to go in, you might get something.
0: Yeah. Well it sounds like a good adventure, that's for sure. Yeah. So tell me in the audience and the listeners about the Release Hunting Podcast. Um, Maybe not so much about, like, maybe how, but the why, you know, um, and maybe what it's about and what you're kind of hoping for.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Basically, I listened to podcasts for quite a while, um, and I kind of wanted to get into the hunting industry in some way, Uh, not just for, I guess, going out and – trying to be rich and famous because I'm going to tell you the first thing and you know it, you're not going to get rich off a podcast unless you're like a Joe Rogan or a celebrity or something. But um, this is basically just sitting down and talking with other people that enjoy hunting as much as you do getting interviews with uh, people you look up to uh, like you did. I mean, your very first episode, Jared Scheffler, um, a mutual friend of ours, Sam Ubel, somebody I looked up to, and having the opportunity to actually sit down, talk on the phone with them, give them an interview, let them talk about their brand, that was something that I just could see myself doing, and I just went for it. And after I got into it, I realized it's a lot more work than just buying equipment and recording. It's There's a lot more that entails into it, but I'm glad I did it, and... I'm sitting here today, getting interviewed by you, which is pretty awesome.
0: It's <laughs> awesome. It is a lot of work, but it it tends to be worth it. I mean, the one thing I love most, if, if we're just kind of talking about podcasting, is simply just the opportunity to talk about hunting. You know, it's like you go out to you know different events with maybe your significant other, your wife, or whoever you're with, or whatever. You go to parties and things like that, whatever it might be, and it's always you always want to find that other hunter because then you know you got something to talk about all night. And if you don't find that, it, it's kind of like oh, this is boring. What a drag! So I feel like podcasting yeah, is great like, because it, it, yeah, you're just interviewing someone about hunting and, and you can just talk forever. I mean, I actually have to put the brakes on more than I ever thought. That's probably the hardest thing is trying to control the time frame of these things,
1: right? And, and I mean, like the whole thing. Like I go to like bonfires and stuff, you know. And my wife would be like, "Oh, we're going to our friend's house for a bonfire," and I'm I'm all gearing up, you know. And I get there and like looking around any one of these freaking guys hunt and like try and talk hunting with one oh i don't do that and you go to the next guy oh i don't do that and it's like man that's all i want to talk about there's nothing else to talk about right and and they get into like well you want to talk about you know something that i am totally not even affiliated with and it's like all right i just want to go home
0: yep i hear that so do you have any uh for your for the release hunting podcast do you have, um... Any sponsors or anybody you need to be shouting out for on this one?
1: Uh, We're fully supported and backed by Last Breath TV. Um, Right now we're sponsor-free. We don't know if we're going to get sponsors, if we're going to take on the mentality of White Tail Adrenaline Chase Nation um, and just go sponsor-free. But we do support a lot of companies that we do use – we support horny buck seed company. That's probably the number one company that we do support. Uh, My co-host Jay, um, he's yet to be on. He's been, he's been training. uh, He got a CDL recently, so he's been on the road driving truck and training, but he does uh, all the video production work for horny buck seed company and uh, a few other companies. He's got a lot of big ties in the hunting industry. He's been, the mastermind behind the website. Uh, any graphic you see posted on Facebook is because of Jay. Uh, big shout out to him, too. It's his uh, birthday today, so happy birthday, Jay. Yeah, and, that's uh, awesome. Rock but, on. <laughs> but no, sponsors, um, I guess it's uh, too early in the game to to talk sponsors, um, but we do support a lot of companies. And like I said, Horny Buck C Company is definitely one of them. Um, we do support a lot of shows, um, uh, that I got to meet and become really good friends with. Like I said, chase nation, Sam Ubel, whitetail, Adrenaline, Jared Scheffler, um, and last breath with Garrett, uh, tag and brag. They're great guys. You're going to have to get tag and brag on. David Giarizzo is by far so humble. Um, they're on YouTube. So make sure, uh, everybody checks them out too but that's tag and brag that's
0: like their it's tag and then n apostrophe brag right
1: right yep and they're uh they're ohio but they hunt in new york and ohio also but they have their hunting camp in new york and they also go early season uh velvet deer hunting in north dakota which is pretty interesting that's
0: freaking cool Super cool. So yeah, you're you're getting yep. you're getting there with the podcast. You got to figure it out, and it sounds like you come from humble beginnings with it too. You're not you know you're coming at it from the right angle, which is good,
1: right? And and a lot of it, like I said, we were talking earlier before we started hitting the record button here. Uh, a lot of it has to do with you know Kurt and the working class Bull hunter guys. You know those guys put out an absolutely amazing comical podcast that brings you, I mean, top-notch names in the hunting industry. And on top of that, they're funny. They have zero filter. And Kurt's one of the most down-to-earth people. Um, I've reached out to Kurt for help. And he answers any messages, anything I ever send him. He'll always point me in the right direction. And Kurt's been great to me. I know he's had you on. Um, Those boys are Blue-collar, down-to-earth, I have nothing but major respect for them. And then I actually had the opportunity to meet them down in Illinois at the Last Breath TV Season 3 launch, and those guys are absolutely hilarious. So make sure you listen to their podcast, too.
0: Yeah, I think on, on the last episode I did, I told people to stop listening to mine and go listen to theirs because it's better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just You're such a kinda, different feel. It's, it's, like... so, it's so hunting you know it's just like it's it's like you're there you know it, it's like you're with the guys when you listen to that it's it,
1: that it's that
0: camaraderie it's i don't know it's like well they camp, did it you know? right
1: they they made it feel like hunting camp and that's what yeah. they said from day one and it does feel like you're sitting around a bonfire drinking a couple as they say bush lattes and just shooting the shit and yep. they, they, they bring a different uh, element to hunting podcast than what's out there you know so i think uh slowly over time they're going to overcome a lot of hunting podcasts and they're going to be probably the number one hunting podcast
0: yeah i don't think it'll be hard for them to accomplish that if they're not already but they uh so they're great and and yours is yours is picking up a lot of steam as it stands um i've been at mine haphazardly since like 2014 you know i go in my little spurts and it's usually when it comes around to be hunting <laughs> since hard. When i start caring about it again
1: <laughs> but, it's hard man it's hard to get on the schedule yeah.
0: But, uh the one thing I, I figured we'd talk about today since it's right around the corner, in fact, um, I' have like a little countdown app I think I've been sharing on social media here and there, but it says that we currently have thirty one days till the boat opener here in Wisconsin, which oh my God, it's two days before the expected due date of my uh daughter that's on her way, so it should be an interesting season for me. We'll see how it goes
1: yeah good luck- good luck to you on that, oh yeah, my God.
0: yeah, um. So that said, I don't know, I think it'd be cool to talk about the, you know, any sort of early season bow hunting tips, tactics, things from experience. I know I have uh, a bone to pick with an insect from hell from last year, so I think that's (laughs) the tip I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm not a, you know, I'm not the best hunter I know by, by a long shot, but there's a couple things I've learned in the years I've been hunting, and I think my hardest lesson learned this last season was hunting a marsh on the first day of bow season and i had no no expectation of mosquitoes at all and it was uh the worst experience i've ever had with mosquitoes in my entire life and i've been to the boundary waters and that was pretty bad this didn't even come close it was terrible like i I don't know what was going on
1: i'm around a lot of marsh a lot of wetland and i know exactly what you're talking about mosquitoes early season which is my number one turn off because if I'm not comfortable in the stand, I mean, it's obviously sitting still and I'm a scent freak. I I use those onyx. I wash my clothes. I put them in sealed totes. I, you know, prepare It literally takes me 45 minutes to an hour to prepare for a hunt prior um, the night before, just trying to get everything ready. And I spend so much time, being so careful and i get out there and mosquitoes are just buzzing around and buzzing around it's like okay there's got to be a fix so i went and bought a thermosil at cabela's well it helped it helped greatly but they're so thick and it makes everything so uncomfortable that early season it's a real struggle to sit
0: yeah at least it was i mean and i think maybe depending on where i might go or if i need two thermocills i know i went out last year in my thermosel, like I just wasn't prepared. I didn't have that part prepared. I don't, I had everything else prepared except for I didn't have like my little, I don't know, whatever that little cloth thing is, you stuff in there. It was like old and I was like, oh no, is the thing going to ignite? <laughs> and by the time it actually got up and like, you know, puffing, it was too late. It was too late.
1: Yeah. It gets overbearing. Uh, the big thing I think over season, not only the insects, but you hit those days where it gets, I mean, 75, 80 degrees and it gets too warm. And I don't think the deer necessarily move as much when it's warm. I mean, you can go out there, sit at two o'clock, three o'clock. I think sitting early mornings and early season is kind of a waste and you're still trying to catch, you know, the bucks in their, uh, bachelor groups, which is really hard. Um, we did see a few last year on our lease property that um, we're traveling together still early season, but it's hard because you don't really, you can't pattern them. Right. They're all over all different times. And we ran 10 trail cameras last year on a little 26, 26, acre parcel. And I could not pattern anything. I had a different buck on camera every night. Everything was nighttime. And it just got to be a struggle trying to figure out how am i supposed to catch these deer and then once the leaves fell off the trees things changed but
0: that's when it was different that, that's when you notice a difference
1: yeah that's when i started to kind of notice a pattern with certain deer a lot of them that were on camera prior i never seen again um, i don't know if they just said peace out to the property and went to the next property, which we were surrounded by cornfields, bean fields, um, all types of agricultural fields around us, uh, it, it, our property was more or less a uh, travel property. Okay. Um, they didn't stay. We didn't have much. We had one food plot. Um, it was more or less just a, a travel property. So it was really hard for us to try and get anything dialed in. We um, We were successful. Uh, one of the guys did shoot an eight-pointer early season. Um, we weren't able to track it because of a neighbor, um, and he wouldn't allow us to recover the deer. So, that's the worst. Sam, you so both shared a story of,
0: like that on, on, I think, the last episode he was on, maybe the first one, episode 36. I might be mistaken, but that's the yeah, worst. That's heartbreak right there. I, I don't I don't know how someone could deny the right to go – retrieve an, a, a, a wounded or dead or dying animal I, I just think that's crazy
1: yeah and it's not like he was an anti-hunter we met him prior we swapped information which if you're going to lease a property um and you're surrounded by private property and public property um the big thing is make sure you know your your neighbor which we did everything right we we swapped numbers we uh told them we went go on his property we wouldn't hunt his property lines we wouldn't do anything like that and when it came down to it and we actually harvested something and it ran on his property um, he wouldn't give us the access so the rest of the hunting season was a big worry because it's like all right, now if I shoot something and it goes on his property what's the point of me being out here because I won't be able to recover it and I, I don't want to take a deer's life just to let it die on his property, he doesn't care. So
0: yeah, the fact there's anyone to like a, go retrieve it and do anything with it himself, it's like, man,
1: what an a-hole. Right. <laughs> what? Right. Yeah. Seriously. But everybody runs into it. It's yep. not just. I mean,
0: no, you're right. I'm you're sure there's right.
1: multiple people that run into it, especially if you're on public land and you're butted up against private land. Oh yeah, then
0: it's then they're you really know, not letting you on. Yeah.
1: Then then you're really screwed because they're pissed you're hunting you know they're next to public land it's it's depending on the owner i mean it it's r- really a thin line yeah
0: yeah you're right well so I, and we've been hunting the state parks we've been we have been had to worry about anything like that for for many years but those stories freak me out i i'm i hear you 100 percent on not doing that again for obvious reasons but one i was think uh was the other tip I had seen here that I came across. So a lot of, depending on like the, um, the temperature, like you mentioned, it can be really hot sometimes. Yep. You know, I, I've heard red and, and, you know, I've tried it, but I haven't, I haven't had too much success with it yet, but to make sure you're maybe hunting like near a water source, because if it's that hot out, these animals are getting thirsty.
1: Right. And with the water, um, Like us, we're around the bay, so it's a little bit different. We have water everywhere around us. And what we noticed on our private property, yet we're surrounded by public, a lot of the deer were coming from the water onto our property um, towards the night. Go figure. So trying to figure out, okay, so they're bedding down by the water during the day, uh, you know, and moving towards our property at night feet. All the fields and everything are close to um, Hello. Alright, we got you back. Alright, good.
0: I think we dropped the call there for so, a second, so welcome back. Go on.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so basically with the water being to, it would be the east of us, um, all they had to do was cross a road and come on the farmland. And we noticed at night towards the evening they were coming from the water to the agriculture basically around 5:36 o'clock at night just before dusk and we kind of pinpointed that all right they're obviously bedding down close to water and then they're moving across the street because all of our trail camera pictures like I said are at nighttime we barely had any daytime movement being a travel property yep so We're trying to pinpoint and figure out, all right, how are we going to get anything on camera, see anything with this property early season? And it just happened to be, if you're on a travel property, we had does during the day uh, with, with young fawns and everything traveling during daytime hours. But it didn't get anything on camera until leaves started to fall. Then we started seeing different bucks and we had daytime pictures and that kind of got us ramped up like, all right, just hitting October. Now we're getting bucks daytime. Now it's time, you know, maybe try sitting during morning hours instead of going out at night. Yep. And I still, until it was getting close to November, I still didn't see a buck during daytime. I seen, I had two bucks come in at night just before uh, dark and they were at a standstill. I had one buck walk behind me, which I didn't hear. My Ozonics was running. Um, The wind was perfect. I mean, it was literally dead wind. And these two bucks walked in. They stood still probably 60 yards in front of me. It's all timber. And... I didn't know if they caught me, saw me or what happened and I just happened to hear something behind me and I looked over my left shoulder and I seen a pretty nice 10 pointer. Oh wow. The two bucks in front of me were just a little fork and a 6 pointer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they didn't move. They just stood there and they're sta- it was like they were looking at me but they're staring through me. And they sat there and stood this 10 pointer down. He was snort wheezing, he was Making all types of noise, stomping, and I was just kind of, and I didn't want to blow my stand out. I just sat there and sat there, and then I texted my buddy and his dad, and I said, what do I do? And they're like, well, we hear it, just stay put, stay still, and it got pitch black, and I was still sitting there, and they were still in a stand-down.
0: Wow. So That's pretty cool to see, I, though.
1: Yeah, it, it was definitely cool to see, but it kind of broke my heart because I had this Nice 10-pointer sitting literally eight yards below me to my left. You and couldn't, I couldn't do move. anything because the other anything. ones
0: would have busted you out. Yeah, that's – oh, man.
1: So I ended up uh, – I got a little impatient. I don't think I blew myself out of the stand, but I, uh, I kind of hit the side of my stand and made a loud noise, and the other two ran off. And he still kind of hung around the base of my stand. And I sat there for a good 45 minutes until I got down. And when I got down and got to the base of the tree, he was in in the field directly behind me. And he wasn't even paying attention to anything in front of me anymore. He was just kind of wandering through this bean field. And after that, uh, pretty much every night we went out, we seen deer, but it wasn't until leaves hit the ground. Wow.
0: So early season advice, wait till the leaves hit the ground.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's hit or miss. I mean, it's definitely location. I think uh, if you're on public land, try and get in early season to a spot that you think nobody else is going to go into. And if it's by taking a canoe, a boat, anything to get into, I think that's your best bet. Uh, Private land early season the only thing really advantage is food plots this year we put five food plots in with horny buck seed company and we actually two of the plots we did a winter plot Mm
0: -hmm. a
1: late season plot uh with turnips and radish and uh anything you can hold them late season they'll still nibble off the leaves and everything growing on the top early season but we're kind of trying different things out. I mean, we're just basically testing the waters of certain food plots right now. We put a lot of clover in for early season and hoping the clover takes off. We've had a lot of rain. Um, but if you have the advantage early season to put a food plot in, obviously do it.
0: Right. I'm looking at um, a couple other things here too. There doesn't, I mean, you talked you talked about a little bit. You touched on a little bit as far as you know, going out in the morning versus the afternoon, and there it's it's pretty subjective. There's not really, I mean, it's hunting, so nothing's absolute. There's no real objective truth. But I mean, there's all these weird arguments about you know, go in the morning, don't go in the morning, go in the afternoon, don't go in the afternoon, go in the evening. Don't. It's like it's crazy. I mean, really, if you want to see deer, you just got to get the hell out there. I I mean, maybe you'll increase your chances. More at a certain time than a different time, but the real the real truth of the matter is, is just get out there because you're always going to learn something. And being out there, you're going to see something. Whereas you not going, you're not going to see you're not going to see a damn thing. And my big thing with early season, personally, is I don't think as many people hunt the early season because it's kind of miserable because of bugs, because of hot you know hot temperatures, a lot of foliage, you know, it's just a different time. So I think you know the bucks aren't used to the pressure of hunters yet they haven't gone nocturnal so i think that's a great time to be out personally as far as morning afternoon evening i don't know it depends on what time i have available i'm going
1: and it it, it literally it's unless you have a large property that you can really pattern deer if you're hunting public land it's all luck it's if you can get on a good trail um obviously watch why tell and what those guys do because they go in jared's like He's got a nose for it. It's just knows, And he sees where to go. He sees the sign. They walk in. I mean, and 10 minutes later, you know, they have a giant. And it's all on what property you're on, your location, how pressured it is. And it's all new to me. And I've just been picking up things through my own personal trail camera experience what I have on trail camera early season, late season. And the comparison on my end is night and day because early season, I have bachelor groups. I had five bucks on camera at one time coming up. Yeah, that's cool. Field. And I mean, a lot of scrappy bucks. I mean, I'm not talking like 140, 160 out. decent eight pointers, shootable eight pointers. Um, but after they get out of their bachelor group, they're gone. And then it's kind of, you're in that mid state of, okay, where do they go? Who stayed around? And then you get a week or two of literally nothing on camera or nothing but does and bonds or whatever else. And then once the leaves are off, I started seeing multiple bucks. Uh, some of them that I've never had on camera early season. Yep. And it's like, well, where did this one come from? <laughs> well, do you hear about how far you're traveling. Yeah, it's
0: crazy. Uh,
1: It, you know, it's like talking to, I started this, uh, I don't have it available anymore, but I had this Facebook page with, uh, I shared a lot in Brown County trail camera pictures with other people. Mm -hmm. Well, multiple farms around us had the same trail camera pictures of the same deer I had on trail camera, and they were four or five miles away. And I'm talking nights that were, I mean, one night this buck would be on camera and two nights later, this buck would be five miles down the road.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a lot of ground to cover. They're really moving. That's it. I mean, talking like that gets me, that's the gets in my bones kind of excitement where I can picture those crispy days, the crunchy leaves, you know, and, and seeing the breath come out of that buck's mouth as he, or his nose, as he, you know, trudges up a freaking you know, little hill or bluff or something like that. And you're just I'm painting that picture. Of that time when you start to see on social media, like they're moving, you know, or they're chasing or their noses are down or, you know, um, there's going to be a cold front moving through. This is going to be it. Uh, that level of excitement. I cannot. I mean, that's usually Halloween and I can't wait. I can't wait. Granted, I'm a little girl by then, so (laughs) hopefully, you know,
1: hopefully get some sleep.
0: Yeah. I'll get it. Yeah, but what there, happens, there, I'll get it in the in the stand instead, and I'll everything. I'll I'll see the biggest buck my life with my eyes closed. Won't know he was there.
1: <laughs> there's a there's definitely something about fall though that's different because, like I said, the I like sitting early season, but only at nighttime. Yeah, and it's fall. You could sit there all day and yep. be comfortable, and
0: it's totally cool. and
1: yep. And you don't know because after they break out of their bachelor groups, it's you don't know where they're traveling you're you may have a buck come in that you ran trail cameras like we did with ten trail cameras and have something on camera the night before that you've never seen before mm-hmm. and no no neighbor and nobody around you has seen before, so that's the whole part of the fun behind it
0: and the other thing I mean I
1: rely on trail cameras so much that I think it's probably one of the greatest things ever.
0: Yeah, I I think I am missing out on that whole thing because I'm I'm 95 percent a public land hunter and I'm kind of on the thought of I'm not going to put that piece of equipment out in the woods, um, right? And we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have I have some. I just don't. I don't have out there. But the one thing, one last tip before before we go, I, I like to try to keep the episodes in a reasonable time frame. I think we're right about there. But uh, yep. this is an easy tip. This is probably the easiest one ever. Go during the Packer game because all the other guys been watch been like, watching the game. You want to go for a time when there's little, to the least amount of hunting pressure? Go during the Packer games.
1: Yep. You, uh, you have a cell phone, so you can uh, a good point. look at the score if you want.
0: Everyone has live streaming nowadays, too. You get some headphones in. <laughs> watch it from yep. the stand if you have to. But I tell you what, you're going to have a lot less guys in the woods when that game's going
1: absolutely that's a really good tip
0: so that's my that's my last little early season tip (laughs) (laughs) i like it but
1: mine mine would be uh if i had a early season tip it would be if it's so hot out like it usually is scent cover um and just be careful your scent early season because you're going to be sweating uh you're going to be hot Thermocell is probably the best thing to purchase early season if you're oh, yeah. anywhere around mosquitoes. Yep. And if you have an opportunity, private land, food plots. Put in early season food plots, your best advantage.
0: Yeah, that's smart. And obviously, with the horny buckseed stuff that you're talking about, I'm sure that's got to be a really good way to, to go about it. Absolutely. Um, one thing I'll mention. I don't mean to plug myself while I have you on here, but um, speaking, speaking of thermocells, <laughs> this isn't for the app or anything, but uh, I started the W2H Rut Club, which is the Where to Hunt Rut Club. It's a Facebook group. It's a closed group, so you have to be invited to it, and it's for Wisconsin only, um, but it's just a way to keep track of what's going on with the rut as things start to pick up. There's you know, going to be more and more activity that comes to the page. But what I'm doing um, to help promote it for the moment is I'm going to be giving away a free thermocell um, to one of the, the group members. Um, all you have to do is invite, invite people to it. As long as you're inviting people to it, you're going to get qualified. and I'm doing a, uh, I'm going to do the drawing on September 1st live via Facebook from the Where to Hunt page, and we're going to pick the winner. and they're going to get a brand new camouflage thermocell from a camo- like a real tree camouflage thermocell.:
1: Nice. I'll uh, I'll definitely make sure we share that on the release page.
0: There you go. And if you're part of the group, sharing it's kind of tricky. So maybe a screenshot. I'm not sure the best way to do it because you can't share from from closed groups. And I want to keep it closed because I don't want the anti hunters to get in here and stink it up with their nonsense. So, um, yep. I want to keep it exclusive to a degree. I mean, it'll be mostly open, but um, anyone starts getting weird in there, they're gonna go bye bye. I agree. So that's what well, I got. Well, let me thought, let me have you end with this. Where can uh, the listeners find you and your podcast? Where the many ways that they can uh, enjoy and listen to your show?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, we've been talking for a while. I I definitely enjoy your podcast. So um, I will share your podcast and everything you're doing. Your Where to Hunt app is phenomenal, and let me use a lot. Thank you. <laughs> that thing hopefully it takes off uh everybody needs to check that app out uh, especially if you're a public land hunter that's huge um but as far as me you can find me at releasepodcast.com uh we're on all platforms social media facebook twitter instagram um our podcast is on itunes TuneIn radio app stitcher uh working on a couple other platforms right now but that's basically where you can find us and we release a podcast every week. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, but definitely check out uh, Working Class Bowhunter Hunter podcast. Those guys are great, like I said before. And check your podcast out too. So Hell yeah. If I you're appreciate- listening,
0: keep listening. If you're, if you're you know, not, definitely check out the Release Hunting podcast. The Working Class Bowhunter Hunter guys are great. I can't say that enough. Um, I'm excited to see where you go with things. And if you ever need a guest on yours, you, you know how to reach me absolutely cool man we'll have a good one good luck this season and we'll be in touch thanks
1: looking for a spot to hunt download the free where to hunt app for your smartphone today avoid hunters see less people see more deer with the where to hunt app you will know where other hunters are before you see them just search where to hunt from the app store to download today
0: All right, I hope you guys enjoyed the segment with Wes for this episode, talking about some early season bow tactics. Something else I'm going to touch on here, tip of the week. It's a weird tip. They usually almost always are. I try to dig and dig and dig and find something useful and, and kind of interesting that you wouldn't normally hear or read about or see or, or whatever. Um, so this week, one of the things that I thought was interesting is uh, going old school. Um I read an article on ammoland.com, and this guy, where's his name here? Let's see if I can find it. Doug Gilmer said, He's like, I'm, I'm just going to go old school. I'm sick of relying on all this technology, all this fancy camouflage, all this stuff. He goes, I remember when I was hunting as a kid, you know, we didn't even have a camouflage, we just wore whatever was warm. And, and went out and got the job done. And if you got a buck, you got to go to the buck pole. And if you didn't, you went there to congratulate the guys that did. And that was kind of it. So this dude ditched everything. Um, he said he got his Carhartt duck bib overalls, um, got a buck 110 folding knife, a three-blade stockman, and uh, just went out without his phone or anything. And he said that actually forced him to be a little bit more careful than maybe he would normally have been because uh, he knew if something would have happened to himself. You know, he wasn't going to be able to call anybody. He's going to have to deal with whatever choices he made. Um, and he didn't, he just said it kind of helped reconnect him. So no fancy camouflage, no range finder, um, even like old school knives, just to kind of get the feel of leather and wood and supposed of the plastic or carbon or whatever else it is you're used to. And leaving the cell phone back seems like a pretty weird thing. It's something that I would probably struggle with deciding to do, but I think in the end would probably feel pretty good about uh, that type of decision. So this guy kind of goes on to say, like, you know, he's not against camouflage, rangefinders, or other tools designed to make us more effective, efficient, ethical hunters, but he simply had become disenchanted with the tools which tend to make us lazy hunters. Interesting thought. Um, he says, I'm sure I will wear camouflage again. I almost will definitely use tools to help me make better shots on the game I pursue. What I won't do again is lose my connection to the way I learn to hunt and challenge and the challenge that it creates. And I think... There's definitely something to be said about that. Um, now, there's a fairly good chance this article is trying to sell me a buck 110 folding knife because there's this big, beautiful picture of it on a, on a log cropped just perfectly. But um, whether that's the case or not, it's it's a really interesting article. Um, he said, we hunted for food and tradition, not for score. Um, it's just a really interesting thing. Even, In fact, he, he even goes to say, like, I didn't even wear you know, like the fancy hunting boots. I just, he just kind of went and got it done. And that reminds me a lot of like, you know, a Jared Scheffler in our modern time, you know, he doesn't really give a shit about what he has on. He just goes and gets the job done. Um, and he has a lot of fun doing it from the looks of it. So that's my tip of the week. Um, take it for what it's worth, but don't lose your, your connection to hunting and don't get disenchanted with it. It's a pretty interesting word. So, uh, thanks for listening. If you haven't downloaded the where to hunt app, um, download it and then, and then leave the phone at home and don't go use it. Um, but have fun out there. Good luck this season. And, uh, we're almost there on public.